So I'm speaking with Jeremy Zuckerman, who, along with uh, Benjamin Wynn, I think are changing the way uh, a dramatic animated series is scored. Jeremy is behind the hit shows Avatar, The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and Kung Fu Panda, Legends of Awesomeness. His uh, music stands apart as emotionally fueled and thematically sound. And the structure of his scores are something you'd never expect for these types of animated shows. Thanks uh, so much for chatting today. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And thanks for the, the kind intro. <laughs> So this is the first time uh, we're talking. I would love to know what music means to you from a personal view and what led you to composing. Um, well, I really got serious uh, about music at a pretty young age and it's something I've always sort of, it's always sort of been a calling, I guess, for me. Um, there was never really like, there was never much of a question of doing something else for better or for worse, you know, <laughs> at times I, I wish that I was good at something else besides music just to have a, you know, a break from it. But, uh, but for some reason, like, it just seems like that, that came easy to me. And, uh, at a pretty young age, I decided that I was going to pursue it. Um, I remember, like, I, I remember being in a, a band with a, with a good friend, it started out just he on drums and me playing guitar and we'd play really loud and blow our ears out. And, <laughs> And I remember being 13 and sitting down late at night, hanging out with him, and and we were just talking about what we were going to do for our lives at that age. <laughs> and he he was saying he wanted to pursue music, and I remember not even sort of considering that an option. Like I wanted, obviously, like I wanted to do it, but I thought that, that was wait just not realistic. Like people just can't make a living doing that. Right. And then he kind of encouraged me, and, and was like, "Of course you can," you know. So I sort of decided at that moment. I was like, "Okay." I'm going to do music then. <laughs> that was at 13. So there was never like, I was lucky in the sense I never had to go through that period. And most people have to go through where they're not sure what they want to do with their lives and what their careers are. And I always sort of had this, this goal. I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to work in the music field. Like, I think I thought I was going to be a guitarist, um, in a band or something, in a metal mm -hmm. band or something. <laughs> but, um, so, so I actually getting into composing was, it was definitely something I didn't expect. And um, and it just kind of happened. Like, I was there at the right place at the right time. And um, I met, you know, Ben at CalArts. And Ben was close friends with uh, Brian Kanisko, the, the co-creator of Avatar. Oh, okay. And yeah, so they, so so Brian and Mike had just started creating Avatars. You know, they were just sort of putting it together in their brains and making the Bible. And, and um, actually, I think at that point they had sold it to Nickelodeon and uh and they asked if Ben and I would come in and do music and sound design for it um and before that I had done like a bunch of commercials I'd been working with a, a smaller company we did a ton of commercials um that was you know it was a really good way for me to to get a variety of musical skills you know happening and uh so I was I was ready in that sense but I also had never done anything long like long form right so it definitely was a leap for me um, and Brian was just like, make sure, you know, he's like, make sure you understand what you're saying yes to, because this isn't going to just be like, you know, a, you know, six months and that's it. Like, this is going to be the, a path that you'll be on for a long time. So, we're like, so yeah. were you, were you nervous about it? Um, I don't know. I think I was too young and naive <laughs> to, to be nervous. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I was a little bit, um, you know, working with Ben, like Ben was a, Ben has a way of not getting too stressed out about things. Like mm -hmm. I'm the one who stresses. So I think the fact that it was 
two of us in the in the trenches helped. I and mean, we we divided tasks. Like he wound up doing sound design, and I wound up doing music. But we were often like in the same room working to you know for that mm-hmm. first season we were in the same room working together. <laughs> and even though he was doing sound design like with headphones, and I'd be you know you know my system with the you know the the volume down way low doing the music and asking each other to stop when we needed to record something. And, um, but the fact that there was the like a you know the two of us I think helped to like mitigate the stress and uh and also because brian was a good friend at that that point he became a good friend and so it didn't feel like we were the stakes didn't feel as high as i think they were Mm -hmm. we didn't realize that we probably could have been fired if it didn't work (laughs) out you know by nick or something and it and it's become this you know something of a worldwide phenomenon and i think its popularity is a testament to the show's writers and as well as the music, uh, how do you think the series was unique versus all the other? And there's a sea of animated series out there, but this one really yeah. stands out. What what did do you want to do with the music that would make it stand out and not just be kind of part of the the mainstream? Um, well, for Avatar, I think a lot of it was just the fact that I really didn't have the experience or didn't know that world. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian wanted that. You know, I think that was a conscious choice where he wanted someone who was coming from a different area. Like, I had, I had been studying really esoteric stuff at CalArts, and, you know, my, my world was not at all, you know, um, film scoring or, or, you know, let alone animation scoring. Right. So I, I brought in, like, some other ideas, some computer music ideas, even though it's not com- a computer music score at all. Yeah, not at all. But, it's very yeah. thematic and very kind of lush and big. Right. But, um, but some of my, sort of my compositional ideas were coming from that world. And my approaches to sound and stuff like that, so it informed it in a way that I think made it a bit different. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and a lot of it was just not just ignorance, you know, <laughs> like not knowing how a score func- is supposed to function all the time, and sort of figuring it out, and probably doing things that some people would say was wrong, and maybe I would say is wrong now too. <laughs> you know, but at the time, you know, it was just figuring it out. So now, Legend of Korra is, I mean, just as big of a success as it's, it's a spinoff, you know, of from Avatar. And I love your score for book one. The the, the release is, is just simply fantastic. And in what ways did the music evolve, uh, I guess, for, for Legend of Korra? Did you keep anything you established in Avatar, or did you kind of just hit the refresh button and start from scratch? Um, originally, I wanted to really start from scratch because mm-hmm. I felt, I, you know, it's been a long time since Avatar, and I've learned a lot since then, and I, I've grown a lot, you know, creatively, artistically, and I... I didn't want to sort of go back to that world. And one of the main things for me was working with live musicians this time around, Mm -hmm. um, which is a much different way of doing things because you spend more time composing and less time, I guess, in the production side of things, which is, you know, making things sound good. Right. Sort of covering up the fact that it's a computer and Uh. trying to make it sound realistic. Whereas, you know, so when when you're working that way, there's certain things you just can't write because it doesn't sound good um, using a, you know, a MIDI library. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, so it it, it really can can uh, influence your writing. It does influence your writing, and and that's one of like my biggest problems with MIDI, is that I don't want anything influencing you know my composition except my own limitations. You know, mm-hmm. but so 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 I went and chose to get a small like a sex a string sextet together, and um, this Chinese instrumentalist Hong Wang who who plays a ton of different instruments. Um, and I just wanted it to be sort of smaller in that sense and more intimate, more human, where you could you could hear like 
breathing and the recording, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. You can hear just like little, you know, like it's not always perfectly in tune. I mean, these are amazing musicians, so, but it's not a computer, so there's going to be, and we don't have an insane budget. And when there's a smaller ensemble, you hear all the, you know, the little details much more. You hear little, um, you know, inconsistencies or little sort of flaws that really glare up where as opposed to if you have, you know, a 60-piece string orchestra, you know, you, you won't hear those little pitch discrepancies and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was one thing. And um, I think, yeah, just the tone is, is much different for core. It's, it's more mature. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It can, it can get a bit darker, although Avatar definitely had its dark moments. Um, when I was listening to the score, I was like, this is, you know, like heavy drama going on. It was a very yeah. emotionally engaging score. And That's uh, always been my thing is I, I don't want to, I try not to, I mean, obviously we have to do what's best for the project. That's first and foremost. But also at the same time, I try not to like um, dumb down for back, lack right. of phrase you know what i mean i don't i don't write for i don't write go in there thinking i'm writing for kids or animation because because kids feel stuff very deeply and they understand it you know you don't have to you don't have to dumb it down for them at all yeah i think uh one of my favorite directors is don bluth and i think his films are i mean i think he said that too it's just like you know kids are more i think they can handle that so i mean his films are what i remember growing up you know land before time and Secret right. of Nim, those stuff. That's yeah, that was heavy stuff. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> watching it now. And that's it's why like, we wow. loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, you have a lot of wonderful instruments <clears throat> and sounds and textures in the music. Do you did you experiment with different things to find the sound that you wanted before you kind of settled on it, or do you kind of keep all that in your head and go, okay, this will be perfect. This is let's use that. Um, that's a good question. Well, some of it is there is some degree of experimentation. There's not a lot of time for that, unfortunately. Right. Um, so some of it is things that I've done in the past, like on other projects, like, um, there was, I also occasionally use, um, how do I describe this without sounding too nerdy? <laughs> go, full nerd. <laughs> it go is a computer music, down. there's a computer music element in there, but the thing about Cora and Avatar is that when you use computer music elements, you don't want them to sound techie. Right, You know, right. it still has yeah. to sound very natural and organic and very physical and real. So, so, um, I use a software, uh, called Super Collider which is like super nerdy audio <laughs> software that you learn. You know, like I, I got exposed to it at CalArts doing my master's program. And it's usually used, you know, in very academic music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all text. There's no graphics or anything. And it's, it's basically a programming language, but it's, um, it's, it's for audio. It's for, so you can do pretty much anything with it. And so I'll, um, like for Amon, you know, I don't know, if, you know, Amon has these pitch percussion gamelan like, textures mm-hmm. often underneath the music and that is actually generated by um a, a block of code um with, that has these sort of various parameters that you can put in there like pitches and rhythms and tempo and things like that but it's within that it's randomizing um sort of randomly choosing different pitches different rhythms and things like that and it's uh and it's all the all the, the samples being input into the code are different um pitch percussion instruments and I've, I keep kind of coming back to that patch because it's a really powerful patch and it can do a lot of things. Like you can, you, you can play with the, the pitch. Can, it can be out of tune more or less, and you can mm-hmm. do that over time. And you can, it can be out of time more or less to the point where it's just a texture that has no rhythm at all, or very, you know, syncopated or very. It could be quarter notes, you know, whatever. Um, so I, it's a really powerful thing, and you can input different samples into it. So I keep um, coming back to it and, and finding new ways to use it. Um, as a just an underlying element, you know, not a 
really in your face element, but something that adds a little special sauce, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as far as like all the Chinese instruments, um, before Cora, I was, we were doing, uh, you know, we, we started Kung Fu Panda before we started Cora. So okay. I, we actually started working with Hong on that project and he taught me a lot of stuff. Uh, he would bring in, he'd just bring a ton of instruments. And so over time I started to get comfortable with the timbres and the ranges and the performative aspects of those instruments. Um, and you know, there's just so lyrical and a lot of that is his performance, of course. Right. It's, of it, it becomes a, the human behind the, the instrument performing right. it. Right. And, uh, I've talked to composers, you know, who work on broadcast television and stuff like that. So what's the production schedule look like for shows like Avatar, Legend of Korra? How long does each episode take? Uh, at what point in production does music come into play? Do you wait for the finished episodes? Do you read the scripts, watch animatics? Like, well, how do you kind of get into the story? The, the I don't know exactly how long the entire production is it before we get it. I know mm. it's a long time, though. Like, it takes a very long time to animate it. I know that I, I think they do the voice recording first. Right. Yeah. You know, and then they animate it. Um, and that process takes a while before we get it. Like I, I, like I know that they've. I think they've started recording. I'm not sure exactly. Don't quote me on this. Well, I guess you can quote me on this. But, uh, I think they're. I think they've started recording book three, possibly four. Like I know they're writing that stuff right now. Uh -huh. So pretty far ahead, um, and it takes a while before it gets to us. Once we get it, we have two weeks from the time we do what's called a spotting session. Right. Mm -hmm. And the spotting session is, you know, when um, we get together with Brian and Mike and talk about the audio needs, sound design, music, and Foley, um, and go just sort of meticulously through the episode, taking notes and talking about things. Um, and but the thing is, so we don't really have two weeks to to work on it. You know, I I get it, but I'm still finished. But I'm still finalizing during revisions from the previous episode. I still have to record the strings and Hong. Um, for that episode, edit and mix them, prep it for delivery, you know, and then send it off to the dub to the dub yeah. um, to be dubbed. And then, so really, I probably have about four or five days for each episode. Wow. <laughs> music. Yeah, and it never gets easier either. <laughs> it never gets faster. It's always <laughs> always the same sort of limping to the finish line. <laughs> and you think that with animation, with it, since it's such a long process, that you would have more time, but it's just as hectic yeah. as a live action show i know it's nuts <laughs> it's crazy and you don't really have the the budget to have a team you know like yeah. creators and you know mix edit you know music editor and all that other some people have that stuff but <laughs> yeah. there's always dreaming and wishing <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i choose to to use that the budget for the live musicians more right which i think matters and is very important um so how much music does one episode of of cora usually need it can range on uh, the least music we've had, I think, was 12 minutes. Um, usually it's around 15, 16 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it, the most, it's been 22, which is pretty much wall to wall. Yeah, that's a full episode. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's still a lot of music for four or five days. Yeah, yeah. And the music, you know, Cora is, it's, it's hard writing for Cora because it's, it's so varied. Like the situations change so much and right, yeah. so emotional and, you know, it's, it's very dramatic and it just takes a lot of, uh, takes a lot of energy. I can know? imagine. <laughs> yeah. And you also do uh, Kung Fu Panda Legends of Awesomeness, which mm -hmm. is the tel the television show of the films. Um, I mean, the films have amazing scores by Hans Zimmer and John Powell. Did you, yeah, it's a great score. did you take them into consideration when you jumped on this project or 
a I bit. Mean, do composers like to just be like, I don't care what they did and try to do your own your own thing? I guess it depends on the composer, but this mm -hmm. was such an established, um, you know, it was, it was so established already that I wanted to, you know, sort of pay respect and go check out the scores and analyze them a bit. And I spent right. some time actually like analyzing them and, you know, charting them, charting some cues down and checking out what they were doing. And they were doing some really interesting stuff, some really cool stuff harmonically that did inform my score a bit without, I, I mean, I think that they're definitely pretty different. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've watched a couple episodes of Kung Fu Panda, and it, it's really well done. It's the animation, and even the voice acting is almost spot on. It's yeah, different voice. actors, but it's just yeah. like... <laughs> Winger, the, the guy who does Poe, does a great job. Yeah. and the, he's, almost more, he's almost more Jack Black than Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I was like, wow, they got Jack Black for this. Like, nope, yeah. they didn't. <laughs> nope. Um, yeah. But, so you, so, but you, you did want to create your own specific sound for the show? I did, I did. Um but I also knew that I wasn't creating something from the ground up the way I do with, you know, did with Avatar and, and with Korra. Right. So it was definitely a different approach, and it felt different, you know, to work that way. And in some ways, it's, le it's like less stressful, you know, because yeah, yeah. I almost feel like there's less responsibility in some strange <laughs> way. I mean, not, I'm definitely not copying or quoting the music. From, oh, yeah, not at all. But But it informs it in some way where it's, you know, you're not you're not creating something from the ground up exactly right um you know there's a starting point and that was pretty helpful i always, I always find it interesting to talk because like a lot of composers do video games that are kind of based off uh, the big you know blockbuster counterpart and right. and a lot of in a lot of cases the uh, it's funny just how rights work because they can't use the themes from the film or whatever but they just also they don't you know you don't want to you want to kind of create exactly. groundwork and everything Right, yeah, you can't really you can't really use it, and then if you do, you wind up in like cue sheet situations where you have to give credit, and yeah. I mean, possibly, I, maybe I could have if I really wanted to, because Nickelodeon was Paramount, right? Right. Um, but then I would have had to share royalties, so screw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hans and John, they don't need royalties. Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> I think they're all right. <laughs> Well, to to wrap up, I always like to ask composers uh, if you had, if you could score any film ever made, with no disrespect to the original composer or the score itself, what film would you choose? Oh wow! Okay, let me think about this. <laughs> How about The Last Airbender? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that I think that would have to be an entire rewrite. No, <laughs> no offense. I just I would have loved to have seen Brian what Brian and Mike would have done with the live action thing. No, it was uh, it, I yeah, it was. I didn't. It was a mess. <laughs> yeah, but you know the score actually was really beautiful. Oh uh, yeah, James Newton Howard did a fan. I think everyone was. Everyone I talked to was like, yeah, the score was great, but yeah. the script he was a, a mess. The score. Really, I really, I remember um, one moment really sticking out. The, just the, uh, the water bender, the water tribe um, theme. It's it just really felt like water flowing he, mm -hmm. with the orchestra with the strings. He did a really nice, nice job with that. He had this sort of this gesture, this repeating gesture that really stuck out to me. I was like, that's a really beautiful smart way of, of portraying that was it interesting to see someone else take take on subject matter that you kind of established yeah it was i mean it was it was a little hard you know but yeah. it, it was interesting um but it was so it felt so different than the tv show that it it, it didn't hurt as much as it might be maybe it would have <laughs> you know like my baby's gone off college <laughs> but, uh, got beat up by yeah, the world i just wanted there were a couple moments where i felt like it was was slightly informed by the TV show, but I, I really don't know if that's true or not because it was—it's possible that it's me imagining it. I would love to 
to ask James someday or have, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, did you even, wa- did you watch, did you watch it? Like, you know, cause I'm just so curious. I remember like the, the end credits. Um, I felt like he quoted the, the main theme, um, really subtly. Mm-hmm. But again, it could be coincidence because when you're dealing with tonal music, you know, right, right, right. there's only so many melodies and, and harmonies that, you know, chord progressions that, that will sound pleasing to people, you know, and they've all been done. So, you know, unless you really want to get out there, it's hard to, <laughs> hard to really, you know, you're going you're gonna to always find connections. To, I know a lot of people are like, oh, they copied that, copy that. It's like, well, it's a lot of music being composed by a lot of people. Exactly. People have. Founder. Hey, this sounds just like blah blah blah. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I've never heard that. They're like, that's the exact same thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, when you write a lot of music, you know, you're gonna write. Some, people are gonna write the same melodies. And mm-hmm. That's gonna happen. So, as last Airbender, your 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 decision for the. Oh man, I don't know. God, that's hard. Let me. Like a, just like a playground, you'd love to like play in, just like try it out. Like a favorite so, movie of yours, a favorite score of yours that you would have. You know, it was maybe something like Solaris. Oh, that's a good one. I love them score to Solaris. So I don't, that'd be... The, or, the original or the Cliff Martinez? Um, so actually, the, the, I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen the original. Okay. <laughs> so I should track that down. But but the remake, you know, um, Cliff Martinez's um, score to that was fantastic. And the whole, the, just the vibe, mm-hmm. you know, the, this, this sort of, it's like, you're, you, like, you know, you're, you're just sort of sleep, sleepwalking through the movie. I feel like that could be really fun to explore. It's just, uh, it, it just would be such a different approach to to the animation that I, that I do, which is so scored and so right. dynamic, and, yeah, yeah, and just changing constantly. You know what I mean? It would be nice to be able to sit with an idea for for ten minutes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, Cliff's music is great. His uh, and only God forgives didn't really get that much exposure, but his score for that was quite quite good. I haven't seen that yet. You know. I'm, it's it's terrible. I really don't get out to see movies much. I've heard, I hear from composers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just working, and then when I'm not working, I'm with, you know, I have two young kids, so I'm just, it's it's hard to make it happen. But I did just see um, Wolf's Children. I mean, have you heard of that? No, I haven't. I think I have. I think I've heard of it, but I... It's, um, it's uh, oh God, I can't remember the director's name right now, which is really shameful, because he's like a huge Japanese director. It's animation, and it's uh, it's really beautiful. It's, it's just, um... It's a story of this 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 single mother who raises these two children who are like part wolf, hmm. they're like werewolves sort of, and uh, it's just it's just really beautiful. You know, it's just a beautiful movie. There, yeah, there's some great uh, animated. I mean, animated films like mature animated films too that are being made, and you know, for Miyazaki and everybody, it's just like right. great right. stuff out there. Yeah, it was a Funimation <laughs> um, production, and it was yeah, it was just really beautiful. Well, uh, I think I'm, I'm out of questions for you, but thanks so much for the time and, and everything. It's, it was a real blast to chat, chat, Jeremy. It was great. Yeah, great to talk to you, too.